Recorded live. And the gang's all here. Hail, hail. The gang's all here. Ready to start the next level of whatever. We've got sunshine here in Spartanburg, and uh, the, the good old harp is giving us drought right now, so we have no rain, but the flowers are beautiful. They've gotten a good drenching last week. Heavy, heavy storm came through here. And uh, life goes on, no matter what we do, no matter what we say, no matter where we are. But Orphe has some news that she wants to share. So those of you who aren't on the call will have to listen to the recording. So come on, Orpha, what is it you wanted to share with us? Okay, I um, got stuff from the natural health response, which is, I'm just finding out, you know, how informative it is. But I was reading this um, newsletter that they sent, and this one is on the drug-free cure for fatty liver disease. (laughs) Excuse me. One in four Americans is afflicted by this deadly condition, but it can be reversed in 90% of cases. Uh, This is by uh, Brad Lemley. I don't think any of us have heard of him, but oh well. Um, The term epidemic gets tossed around quite a bit these days by Internet fear mongers, but here's a modern disease that fits that description perfectly. It goes by the rather unwidely name of non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, abbreviated as NAFLD. This devastating condition is rapidly becoming the most common liver disease worldwide. The prevalence of NAFLD is the general population, or in the general population of Western countries is 20 to 30%. Take a moment to let that sink in. We're talking about one in four people. This sobering bit of info is from Liver International, a leading journal on liver disease. The fact is, livers in the Western world are in terrifyingly bad shape. And despite the public's concept of liver disease, such as cirrhosis, being almost certainly due to excess of boozing, the reality is that in modern times, alcohol exposure is not the leading cause of liver dysfunction and failure. No, what's principally bloating, scarring, clogging, and killing our precious livers isn't primarily booze, although alcohol can play a role. <clears throat> no, what's devastating our livers is the same thing that will render as many as one in three Americans type 2 diabetes by the year 2050. Overconsumption of carbohydrates, such as sugars, especially fructose, and grains. All of this, obviously, really bad news. So. I'll get to the good news soon, I promise. But in the meantime, here's a little info on what the liver is and how it's absolutely vital to overall health. Um, a second. Uh, okay. I'll read this part first. <laughs> you know how you get all those little side notes. Um, 
Okay, it may seem ridiculous to be a fan of a bodily organ, but I've always admired the liver. Tucked into the lower right side of the chest cavity, this seemingly featureless mass of purplish flesh is nothing less than the gatekeeper of dozens of processes that are vital to human health. Unlike the throbbing heart or bellowing lungs, the liver does its complex, vital job silently and apparently without moving. All of the action is at the cellular level. A healthy liver, one, manages the components of blood, keeping fat, sugar, and protein at optimal levels, filters out toxic byproducts of metabolism, such as bilirubin and ammonia, and toxins from the outside, such as drugs and alcohol, stores and precisely doles out nutrients such as vitamin A and iron, at precisely the rates and amounts that the body needs. <laughs> you hear the doggies? Yeah. <laughs> makes, makes cholesterol a vital organic molecule. One of the <laughs> one of the downsides of a low cholesterol diet that is diet is that it forces the overworked liver to overproduce this necessary substance. You okay? okay. Yeah, I'm just trying to I'm yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, you're fine. Oh, okay. I just had to put the dogs out. They were making too much noise. <laughs> okay. Even if we as human beings don't give two hoots about the quality of what we eat, the liver, like a good parent, always cares and works hard to make sure that we absorb the good stuff and excrete the bad stuff. But diligent as it is, like a real parent, it's not comp- uh, omnipotent or immortal. Liver abuse is real. Overconsumption of carbohydrates, which has become an epidemic in the modern world, doesn't just lead to obesity and metabolic syndrome, a precursor to type 2 diabetes. Under all of that belly fat, livers can accumulate excess fat as well. Rather than surrounding the liver, it is, in a sense, marbled with fat. And these veins and pockets of adipose tissue can wreak havoc with the liver's work. In an Italian study concluded, or as an Italian study concluded, NAFLD is highly prevalent in the general population and is associated with many features of the metabolic syndrome. Just as some fat in the body is normal, so is up to 10% fatty tissue in the liver. But NAFLD is defined by fatty tissue above that amount that happens without major alcohol consumption. Uh, Throw lots of alcohol into the high-carb mix, and it just gets that much worse, that much faster. One classic sign that you probably have NAFLD is being obese. 
prevalence of 80 to 90 percent in obese adults. Other signs can include fatigue, confusion, jaundice, and swollen legs. The long-term results of untreated NAFLD is often sometimes called something called non-alcoholic. Uh, okay, now I'm going to try and get my tongue to work on this. Statohepatitis. Yes. Statohepatitis, yeah. Abbreviated as NASH. This is severe inflammation and swelling of the liver that can lead to liver failure or liver cancer, which over time results in prolonged, in a prolonged awful day. These liver problems are typically diagnosed with some combination of blood tests that look for liver enzyme levels in imaging tests such as ultrasound, which can show fatty deposits. The most detailed test is also the most invasive, a biopsy performed by inserting a needle through the abdomen and into the liver. Not a fun afternoon. <clears throat> Finally, the good news. Enough gloom and doom. Among the liver's many virtues, I told you I love this slimy thing, is its extraordinary resilience. The Mayo Clinic Center for Regenerative Medicine states as states it unequivocally. The liver has the greatest regenerative capability or capacity of any organ in the body. <clears throat> Recover from NAFLD is quite possible. One study found that after following exercise and diet programs for an entire year, an incredible 90% of 293 patients, all of whom had advanced NASH form of the disease, resolved that NASH condition. Another 45% had lessening of fibrosis, the scarring that accompanies NAFLD. In other words, their livers returned to function near or within the normal range, which can be called a cure. The liver is so astonishingly resilient because back in the caveman days, Hungry people would eat nearly anything, including toxic plants and animals. Our livers evolved to take one for the team, sacrificing tissue to confine the toxin before it could do more damage or kill us. Then, over time, it would regrow. That's why as much as half of an adult's liver can be removed surgically and the wonderful organ will grow right back. Bottom line, the steps to prevent or recover from NASLD or even NASH are straightforward. One, the first step in regenerating a diseased fatty liver must be reducing consumption of fructose. Every cell of the human body can use glucose, but fructose can be metabolized only by the liver, putting a huge strain on the organ. The worst dietary source of fructose is high fructose corn syrup, the cheap sweetener typically used in soft drinks. Even consuming one can daily is associated with an increased incidence of NAFLD. Number two, beyond that, reduced consumption of carbohydrates in general is vital. 
The conditions known as NAFLD are closely associated with type 2 diabetes for a reason. Both are disorders of carbohydrate overload. Moving your diet in the direction of my high-fat, real-food diet, and that's um, uh, lassensfair.us slash ht518 is one way to address the condition. <clears throat> intermittent fast, number three, intermittent fasting, such as eating only within a six-hour window. Now, this is what I thought was interesting. Between noon and 6 p.m. and fasting on water for the remaining 18 hours has been shown to reverse symptoms of NAFLD. Exercise, number four, exercise is also a vital component of reversing NAFLD. Five, finally, many supplements have been shown to have effective action against NAFLD for a list. Well, I'm going to tell you a list on the next page. One more thing. As I've stated before in these pages, obesity, obesity type 2 diabetes, Alzheimer's, and cardiovascular disease all have in common overconsumption of carbohydrates as a as the main or major contributing cause. To this, to this rogue gallery of terrible diseases, let us now add non-alcoholic fatty liver disease and its closer-to-death associate non-alcoholic steatohepatitis. That is spelled S-T-E-A-T-O. H-E-P-A-T-I-T-I-S. I got the hepatitis, but I think the other part is steto, S-T-E-A-T-O. But it's all one word, anyway. All of these modern scourges can be turned back with a diet like my high-fat real food diet or an overhaul low-carb regimen like the one advocated by Dr. Eric Westman to reverse type 2 diabetes. I don't know. I've, I I know I've heard of Dr. Westman. I don't know if anybody else has, but he he does a lot of this stuff. Throw in some modest exercise, such as a daily 30-minute walk, and or a low-impact weight training, and these diseases of civilization can be effectively banished from your life. Hold on. Turn to the page. Twelve natural remedies for crushing liver disease. These supplements fight fatty liver disease, high blood pressure, and other diseases of civilization. Not so long ago, respectable medical journalists didn't say much about using supplements to combat disease. Synthetic drugs nearly always got top billing. The companies that make them had the bucks to fund that research. But these days, the better journalists the better journals, especially those with an international basis, putting them outside the all-corrupting influence of the American pharma industry, tend to take supplements seriously. So I'm presuming, or presenting here some highlights from a comprehensive overview of supplements to combat both non-alcoholic fatty liver disease and its more serious cousin, non-alcoholic, Steatohepatitis. 
This is from the World Journal of Hepatology, or he's going to refer to it as WJH. I've written the summary in straightforward English as the original's medical jargon is pretty heavy sledding. This also happens to be a good general list for sub- of supplements to consider to combat the modern diseases of obesity, diabetes, cardiovascular conditions, Alzheimer's, and cancer. All of these rampant conditions have an elevated blood sugar component in their development. These supplements can help to address that. A note regarding dosages. The therapeutic dosages in the studies cited below varied widely. I recommend my take in italics on appropriate daily dosages for general health in parentheses after naming each supplement. Um, So when I say parentheses, that's his recommendation for a daily dose. Consult with your physician or natural health practitioner before beginning any supplement regimen. Okay. Here's the list. Vitamin E, parentheses, 400 IUs. And vitamin C, parentheses, 500 milligrams. Out-of-control cell oxidation is a factor in the development of NAFLD. Vitamin E and C are two of the main antioxidant supplements available. While results have been mixed, at least one clinical trial showed improvement in NASH with these vitamins in a statin drug as shown on computer scans of patient livers. It's not known whether the stat, whether the statin, the vitamins, or the combination of the two caused the improvement. I'm going to say something about the statin drugs here. For one, statin drugs are really bad, <laughs> um, but you can take um, red yeast rice in place of a statin. It, it's a more of a, a natural thing that does the same thing as statin drugs do. But if you are on statin drugs, to, and those are the cholesterol-lowering drugs, if you're on those, that and even with the red yeast rice, you need to be taking COQ10 because they deplete the body of that. So that's just a little side note I've, I've learned. Okay, the next supplement is Veritrol, parentheses, up to 500 milligrams. The Veritrol, found in grape skins and certain other plants, have been shown to be effective against inflammation, cancer, obesity, diabetes, and overall aging. Its positive effects against NAFLD have emerged in several studies, especially on animals. It appears to work by multiple pathways, including increasing the number of mitochondria, the microscopic power plants within each cell. One trial cited in the WJH report showed significant improvement in MASLD characteristics after 12 weeks of supplementation with 500 milligrams of resveratrol. Um, I've also heard that resveratrol it works great with um, 
Chera Stilbean, which is, uh, I forget where it comes from, but it, it, it does, it's not spelled the way it sounds. Um, uh, let me see. I've got it here. Can't find it. Um, somewhere else. But anyway, I mean, if you want to know about that, I'll find it and talk about that later. Um, the next supplement, green tea extract, parentheses. I recommend brewed organic green tea up to 10 cups daily. Uh, boy, that's a lot of green tea. <laughs> oh, I, I don't care for the flavor of green tea as much as other teas, but that's a lot of that. 10 cups is a lot of, a lot of tea drinking. Anyway, extracts of one of green tea's main healing components. Okay, here we go with another one of them big words. Epigallocatechin, epigallocatechin, hyphen three, hyphen gallate, or, now this is where most of us probably heard this, EGCG have been shown to have a positive therapeutic effect in rodent studies on obesity, metabolic syndrome, and the rat version of NASH. Other experiments on humans and animals and in test tubes have suggested the antioxidant and anti-inflammatory powers of green tea are useful as well against NASLD. But specific, randomized trials in humans on the effects of green tea on NASLD are needed. So I guess they need to do more trials there. But Next supplement, coffee. Um, Princes, up to six cups daily, which is a lot of coffee too. Less if it gives you gastrointestinal upset, jitters, or insomnia. Both human and animal studies have shown that drinking coffee on a regular basis can decrease the risk of type 2 diabetes, and a recent study indicates that liver, fatty liver occurs less frequently in coffee drinkers. And here I put drinking coffee. <laughs> Might have to go back. Of course, I think getting rid of the sugar and the cream in it would be much better. Um, the more coffee we was drank, the less liver brightness the researchers observed. In ultrasound, bright images generally indicate disease. The study also notes that among NASH patients, coffee consumption has been shown to be significantly associated with a reduced risk of fibrosis, a reference to the stringy liver tissue that character, characterizes the disease. Next supplement, garlic, parentheses, one to three cloves, minced, raw, or cooked. A garlic-derived chemical called S hyphen, why well, I love these <clears throat> Turn uh, Ali Mercaptocysteine. <laughs> I know I mutilate these words, but um, it's 
S-A-M-C-O is the way they'll use it, has been shown to have a therapeutic role in diabetes and non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. Another garlic-derived product, garlic essential oil, also has therapeutic effects against development of NAFLD. And I live on a very high garlic <laughs> food regimen. Okay, the next uh, um, one. Ginger. Parentheses, a thumb-sized piece of grated root. Several mechanisms have been proposed by which ginger may prevent NAFLD or slow its progression to other liver diseases, such as increasing insulin sensitivity, says the WJH report. Next supplement, omega-3 fatty acids. Parentheses. 1,000 milligrams or consume four ounces of fatty fish at least twice a week. This is thought to exert anti-inflammatory effects and improve insulin sensitivity, both of which patients said are with NAFLD and NASH desperately need. Um, next supplement, vitamin D3, parentheses, 1,000 milligrams. I mean, I thought D3 was in IUs and not milligrams, but um, recent studies have indicated that deficiencies in vitamin D can result in insulin resistance, metabolic syndrome, and NASLD, says the report. Next supplement, cinnamon, parentheses, one-half teaspoon of powdered spice roughly two grams. The report says cinnamon might play a potential role in the reduction of sugar absorption by blocking the action of a certain enzyme from the pancreas. Another 12-week study found that compared with placebo, cinnamon supplement, supplementation significantly lowered fasting blood sugar, total cholesterol, triglycerides, liver enzymes that indicate reduced function, and C-reactive protein, a measure of whole body inflammation. Mm. Next supplement, curcumin, parentheses, 400 milligrams. This derivative of the Indian herb turmeric can reduce levels of fat in the blood and liver, likely due to its potent antioxidant and anti-inflammatory activities. And one more for me, this supplement for bearing, five, uh, parentheses, 500 milligrams. This was not mentioned in the WJH report, but Chinese researchers have found that supplemental berberine can help to heal fatty liver by changing the liver's gene expression. Berberine is a well-known and potent blood sugar-lowering supplement, one that I highly recommend. <clears throat> Bottom line, I've listed more supplements here than you are likely to wish to take, but adding just one or two of these to your diet has value as well. I suggest discussing this list with your primary care physician if he or she is amiable to natural supplements. If not, find another physician. 
<laughs> then continue taking the ones that you and the physician usually decide upon for at least six weeks. Indications that supplements are working include lower blood sugar, slow but steady weight loss, and or an overall feeling of well-being. Um, there's one other part here. Um, here's who we should be fat shaming. This is the part I skipped over. This part of the report. Um, I was a fat kid. People noticed. Um, from age eight to twelve, my nickname among kids in our suburb of Portland, Oregon, was "Wait for it." fatty, not terribly original. The years in question were 1963 to 67. The term fat shaming had not been coined. In fact, the verb shaming hadn't been coined in its current use. The verb back then was tease, which had a higher, a lighter connotation. Fast forward to 2017, Use of teas has been terminated and fat shaming is totally re regarded as nearly the worst thing one human being can do to another. The body pride movement relentlessly shames fat shamers as the lowest form of internet life. Fat shaming is now seen as a heinous crime because in the popular mind, it kicks off a shame spiral in which the shamed person will inevitably collapse into a heap of self-hatred, overeating, and maybe even suicide. However, back in the 60s, my recollection is that, one, I disliked being called fatty. Two, I spoke with my mother about it. Three, we mutually decided I'd stop eating desserts, which I tended to do with abandon. And four, I'd also walk a mile each way in the, to school <coughs> to school daily rather than ride the bus. In about a year, I was at a normal weight. <coughs> Who should be shamed? I'm not here to defend fat shaming, perhaps given the way young people are wired today. It really does more harm than good. I merely make the point that the practice need not always wreak, dis wreak destruction. In my case, it got me out of my husky genes and probably helped set the stage for a life of touch wood, which I'm not sure what that means, Re remarkably good health. But what I will say is that... <clears throat> As this month's cover story points out, fat is not just a social issue. Fatty liver, which goes hand-in-hand hand with obesity, disrupts the liver's complex and delicate detoxification tasks and ultimately kills people. So rather than fat shaming or body pride, I'd like to see the Internet's attention shift to the fact that being overweight is a health issue, and that is the cause. And, and that the cause is the flood of cheap, government-subsidized grains, sugar, 
and vegetable oil in the modern marketplace. And then I'd encourage the ramping up of some serious shaming aimed at those industries and the government lackeys who push tax subsidies in their direction. Let's bring back shaming and keep it on the fattening forces of big food where it belongs. Great article. I really thought so, too. <laughs> I learned quite a bit from it. And there, there's another thing in here, too. If you want, I can read it. But, you know, I, my brother and his wife <clears throat> decided to go on this diet as, um, it causes ketosis in the body. And what it does, and this is why I started looking at carbohydrates, they, um, the, the thing that they're watching in this diet is the carbohydrates. When you look at a package, uh, I mean, there's still a lot of stuff about it I'm trying to figure out. Excuse me. <laughs> I got a tickle in my throat. Um, they look at the, the total net carbs and then the, the um, I mean, basically, the carbs you get from fiber are the good carbs, you, you know, because carbs are not um, created equal. Uh, the sugar carbs is, are the bad carbs. <clears throat> and that's what, you know, gets stored, that's what gets, you know, causes our fat, that's, you know, all of that stuff. But it also, when you're looking at a package and it says 21 carbs, and then it only lists, say, three of them as fiber and two of them as sugar, where the heck are the other carbs coming from? You know, they don't list that stuff. And it, it aggravates me because it's really hard to tell if you're getting you know, the rest of those carbs, good, bad, or otherwise, you know, you, you, it's really hard to tell. But I've I've been starting to look at it, and, you know, if you can look at a package, and it, it seemed to me with their diet, if it was, you know, under 10 total carbs, it was okay. Um, but you still have to look at the, you know, how many of, the, of those carbs are sugar and how many are fiber. I'm still, like I said, I'm still trying to figure out where the other carbs are coming from because everything has carbs, but are they good or bad? Um, one thing I learned with them being on that diet was, they, you know, carrots, which I've always looked at as a very good healthy food, has a lot of carbohydrates in it. But should I be looking at those carbs as good or bad? I know on their diet, they're considered bad. So I'm going, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but, you know. Mm-hmm. And I'm, you know, looking at, now I understand, carb, you know, carbs like from potatoes and sweet potatoes. Yeah, those, you know, they turn into starchy sugars. But I know sweet potatoes are supposed to be good for you. Uh, carrots are supposed to be good for you. So I'm still muddling through all this, but I have started paying way more attention to the carbohydrates that I've been eating. And 
unfortunately, it's made me really crave like chocolate cake and stuff. So I'm I'm really you know sitting here in a pity party puddle, you know, um, looking at this stuff. But it's this article really kind of woke me up. I'm you know uh, sat here reading and I'm going, oh my gosh. But I do know too. <clears throat> that I have changed my eating habits and my diet drastically the past seven years. I eat a lot of those supplements. Yeah, I still have challenges, and I think that it's probably because I still eat way too many carbohydrates, and I'm still storing them. I'm not, you know, exercising enough and stuff like that. But that's what this call is all about. We get this stuff out there so we can help each other. (laughs) Anyway, I thought it was a very interesting article to bring to the call. Great job because what it is, I mean, I've been reading up on it, but I hadn't run into what you're talking about. But I've been self-diagnosing myself and realizing I eat way, it's so much easier to butter a piece of bread and shove it in my mouth than it is to go Mm -hmm. cook a meal. And that is where I am with what I've been doing to myself. And I don't know, I mean, we're all single here. All these single pots of, of, of excitement about life. But we've got to take care of ourselves. Uh, It's really, really vital that we I've had to own up to what I'm doing, and yet, um, because my hearing, I'm losing my hearing, and the reason I'm bringing that up is I got this book that was about the uh, Navajos and how they kept their hearing, and uh, he went into talking about diets and different things, but he also mentioned, get this, when you're eating too much carbohydrates and not vegetables, your hearing declines. Huh. And the hearing, I mean, my wonderful ENT, that's ears, nose, and throat dust, were so excited about me getting hearing aid. Now, it's become increasingly harder for me to hear in the classroom. I, I don't know if that's you, Orpha, that's doing the, uh, the uh, moving around. I think uh, oh. Elaine's on or someone's on. But I was uh, doing a little. Is it gone now? Uh, let me talk a few moments. Yes, it is. And so okay, that was... I was looking at a piece of paper. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, really? And that's what's doing it? Oh, wow. That's interesting. And I just barely picked up the paper. I'm going, wow, I really picked it up. <laughs> yeah. So, well, what what's important for us to look at about what we're eating, drinking, and, and romanticizing ourselves on eating healthy is the fact what is it really that's in those foods that that's doing that? 
And you're absolutely right bringing it up that we have to understand what is going on in our bodies. Our bodies are our carrier. Um, I have some sad news. My brother passed away Monday night, 11 o'clock. But what he had was cancer throughout his entire body, entire body, not any little just a little bit here and a little there. And he got diagnosed with it in February. Now, why? He had prostate cancer three, four years ago. He went to the VA. They did a really supposedly a good job. I'm saying that because the way they rip and tear and mess with everybody, it's horrific. And my brother had no idea he had any more cancer in his body because he supposedly had beat the rap. So when February came and he was put into the hospital because of something with his back, and I don't know what happened with his back, but they said they put him in the hospital and that's when they found he had cancer throughout his body. How come? What happened? Why did he have that? And uh, he beat the, you know, the the prostate cancer. Well, what I read since that alert came out and my brother was in such terrible shape was the fact that once you've had chemo and you come away supposedly cured, you are actually open to more cancer, gobs more cancer, humongous amounts of cancer. And that's what my brother went through. He, They shot him so full of chemo this last round that they almost killed him. And they said, if we didn't do it, he would have died anyway. Well, they made a lot of money. I mean, that sounds really crass, but they made a lot of money off that man. And uh, the issue I'm bringing up is, is it all about the money that they're wanting? Is it all about anything about you and I? Is it anything? Are we really being made healthy? No. This whole thing that you just read, Orpha, is very valuable. Why isn't it being said on TV, radio, etc.? Why isn't anything being bought out so that people can get on it? My brother's not the only one full of cancer. My brother's not the only one who dies of cancer. They're dying all the time. All the time. This this is why they don't want any cures out there. They don't want us to know if there's cures for for cancer and diabetes and all this because the amount of money that they would lose when we're cured of these diseases is astronomical. That's just astronomical. 
That's my point, Melissa. Exactly what you're saying. And mm-hmm. that, that's the question we need to ask these doctors from now on. Doctor, how many people have you gotten well? Doctor, how many people have you told to go home and die because you can't do anything more? How many people, doctor, have you actually made certain their life was saved rather than bury them? We've got to start asking the hard questions because this is my point exactly. I sent my, the rice machine that I'd gotten for uh, to take out to my brother to help him beat this cancer rap. I sent it out to him. He was too sick. His family was too distraught. And that's the reason I was going, because I would be kind of removed from that, i.e., sort of. And um, I never made it. They asked me not to come. They asked me to stay away because the family was having a hell of a time. It is really hard for a family to get their head wrapped around the fact that the man they love, their father, their husband, is dying Mm -hmm. of cancer. Yep. And it's the money. When, When... what was his name? Teddy Kennedy was dying of cancer and he was willing to pay anybody millions of dollars to save his rotten life. He's the chief cause of why we have no real freedom to have a cancer cure. He stopped every single one of them. And all of us must say to ourselves, justice was fulfilled. He got what he deserved. But that doesn't help the ones that are left. It doesn't help anyone. But let us put this out and, and let, us, let us start talking up the epidemics we have and, and, and what you brought up is a really good cross picture. Cancer, diabetes, um, Lou Gehrig's is going up. We have uh, heart heart conditions have gone down because they've gotten this wonderful moneymaker called heart transplant. And then uh, when you're looking at the liver, dang nabbit, that liver's not supposed to regrow. Nothing in your body is supposed to regrow. But yet Brad's bringing up that our teeth are able to regrow. Our skin regrows every seven years. Our body regrows. We don't have to be stuck in their shit. So it it, it behooves us. To, I, I was talking to my friend about a time in L.A. when... I'd gone in because I was, whatever was wrong with my chest, I went in and they did their ultrasound. Now, in L.A., I went to the county hospital. And at the county hospital, it's a practicing teaching hospital for future uh, doctors. 
So they change, I'm going to say every six weeks, and they go to a different department to learn that department, then they switch to another department. So I had my ultrasound, and they saw whatever, whatever little lumps or dumps or whatever it was. And they said, oh, you need to have that taken out. And they were so excited about doing it. And because it's a victim, see. And, but they weren't at the end of their cycle. They were at the beginning of their cycle. So they could not do an operation on it. So um, I went home, and I'd already long time to figure I ain't losing my boobs, okay? I mean, they may not be the the ones like Marilyn Monroe and the rest of them, but they work for me. And uh, so I had already figured that out years ago. So I just went home because they'd given me some facts. It was a, a, a tumor or a, a whatever they call those things that are in the boobs that happen. And I went home and I changed my diet. So when they, I had a, a, an appointment with them, and it was a new group. It was six weeks later. So I had a new group. They had to do the ultrasound. Well, they looked all over the place. I mean, I think they were going to do the ultrasound on the wall to find something to take out. And uh, I mean, they just, woo, 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 that thing all over me, and they couldn't find a thing. Well, I guess you're okay. You can go home now. We didn't find anything. And I'm gone. Yeah, I changed my diet. You don't have what creates whatever you want in there. And they never got it. They never asked what I did differently. They never inquired what I did differently. They just, well, we must have been wrong. We're in charge of our bodies. Not them. And it's because they have. Sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say it's because they have tunnel vision. They they can't see outside of the that box that they're in. They yeah. they see that there's only one way to cure something. It's with these drugs, and there's nothing more insane than natural remedies. You know the the they can't believe that we can heal ourselves and we can regrow things. You know, well, we've been learning gradually lately. When I say lately, I'm talking about the last five or six years that we've been studying these kind of things that we can actually regrow our arms and legs and teeth and everything else, but we've been so programmed to believe that we cannot do that that people can't believe that that's a possibility. And if you can't believe it, it ain't going to happen, but... This is, you know, they, they're in this box and they have this tunnel vision that just tells them if a drug can't cure it, nothing can. And that is precisely why we have to do it. And we can no longer give them the power. They mm-hmm. are not our bodies. Do you know how many people, there was a radio show I listened to in L.A., I moved here to Spartanburg in 03, so it was somewhere in the late 90s, early uh, 2000s that on this, it was a really nice program uh, of a, uh, 
Uh-oh, someone's interfering with us. And uh, it was a program where it was a doctor talking to the people. And the people, you're the ones who can heal yourself. And that was their theme. And what, what happened was he got a letter from a lady who said, I fired my doctor today. And he said she was saying that she had gone to the doctor to tell him that she no longer wanted him to do this thing or that thing. And uh, the doctor said, what are you talking about? You're not a doctor. She said, but I know my body. You don't. And she fired him. And it was the best thing she ever did because of the fact that she took over the responsibility of her body. She was an old lady. She wasn't a young dude. Do that. She well, most. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead and finish. She was. It's, it's the fact that all of us have that right to say no to all these BSers. You are the master of your body, not them. You know your body. You've lived with it all your life. Mm-hmm. Who are they to tell? And, and, and I'll add just this and then give it back to you. Or if it is the fact that so many people have got to ask the question, so doctor, who did you heal this week? Mm-hmm. Well, and, and the thing, the thing too is, the doctors think that you work for them. Correct. Excuse me. Who's paying who? You work for me, and that concept has been lost because you know it's just like lawyers too. The lawyers work for us. The doctors work for us. They don't work for us. I mean, that, we don't work for them. We're paying them. Correct. Somehow or another, that concept has gotten switched around that they're getting the money, but yet we work for them. I mean, uh, we're supposed to, we're, we're coming to them for guidance, not because they're all God mighty. <clears throat> but they sure that's where they are. And that's a very important concept bringing up. Yesterday, we were in macroeconomics, and my teacher finally was coming out with some points. He, he, and this I didn't know myself, but I did know more than he knew in some of the area. He brought up the fact that almost in every state, and I'm sure we can check it out, has only two law schools, maybe three with the bigger cities. But I know in Chicago we had Loyola Law School. We didn't have a law school at um, DePaul University. We didn't have one at Illinois State, but we had Loyola Law School. That's Jesuit. Then we had um, probably downstate they had a law school. But if we went through and checked every state, there are only two, at the most, three law schools. And when he got through, I said, are you aware of the fact that the law schools are 
only accredited by the American Bar Association? Are you aware that all these lawyers are employees of the court and not yours? And are you aware that the uh, at any time that the, the, the students are in law school, it's their curriculum, the bar's curriculum. And so he, he didn't know any of that stuff. And it was an eye-opener for him because it's time some of these teachers got their education correct. There is no official law school. It's all law programming. That's what people don't know. And he, he started getting hearing some of the stuff I was saying. So it's interesting. And I, uh, the same is with the medical field, people. With the medical field, the... Rockefellers were the ones that financed medical schools via their slippery uh, shell game. They wanted the school started, the the, uh, beginning medical schools did not have the funding. So they were uh, actually underfunded and needed funds. And so they did their best to uh, achieve what they could until our wonderful Rockefellers came along and they gave all this money to them. And when they gave all this money to them, it was a great opportunity for the Rockefellers to put into the board of the school the people they wanted to have turn that around not to heal people but to be part of the pharmaceutical chain and that is how we got screwed royally mm-hmm. royally our school those law those medical and the uh, legal are not so we, we need to tell people that. We need to make it uh, knowledgeable to people. And people have to learn that this is not, uh, it's just never been for us. My poor dogs are going crazy out there. Someone just drove into the yard. So, Can I uh, yes, respond to some of this? Good morning. <laughs> Good morning, Elaine. Thanks for coming back. Uh, Good morning. Yeah, I, I listened to um, um, Orpha's theme, and it was very good. But And then I listened to you guys talking about um, the doctors work for us and all of this. So here's what I thought. With the loss of the individual, everybody became a statistic. And so we live in corporate America. The doctors, you go to see your doctor and you pay for subsidized health care or not. But your payment to that doctor is a drop in the bucket to corporate America. The doctor is working for the insurance company. You're a statistic. And the more statistic he gets on his roster, the more appointments he gets, the more uh, insurance 
space he receives is not working for you. First and foremost, he's working for himself because everybody needs to make a living. Secondly, he's working to be in compliance to the corporate insurance agencies that subsidize the payment of his services because the individual is not capable of doing so. You know, we're no longer in the days of doctor, uh, come to my ranch, my daughter's sick. Uh, Now you go to your doctor, you check in, you use your identification number, your statistic is added to a list of incoming subsidies that that doctor is going to request from the insurance company because the individual cannot afford to pay for his health care. So, you know, that, that's one of the fallacies that we think we're, we're in the old mindset in new corporate America. And that's why uh, we're having a hard time dealing with it. It's like living in a foreign country. You don't understand how to do it. So now we have the Obamacare. Same thing with the legal thing. I watched a video about judges, a lot of judges and magistrates. Some of them have not um, actually performed the qualifications and wonder would know more about this than I, uh, Mm -hmm. of what it takes to be a legal representative of the courts of the United States. They are a member of the Bar Association, but that doesn't mean that they've qualified under the guidelines of what it takes to be a magistrate or a judge in the courts of the federal courts of the United States. So, you know, people are trying to survive the best they can in a corporate America. That's why we have corporate Washington, D.C. So, you know, we it's hard to realize that in essence you don't matter. You're a statistic. Mm-hmm. Without you being sick, without you going to the doctor, the accumulation of statistics and subsidies that keep the insurance mechanism corporation going that provides a foundation for your health care would not exist. And that's because we are living in modern times, in modern um, economics. And, you know, it's we're not going to win the battle by saying, you work for me. No, I don't. You're nothing. I mean, I, and I'm not trying to bash anybody here, but I pay $143 for Obamacare subsidy, uh, and that's expensive. And I don't even know if I could do it. I do it month to month, hoping I can. Um, but the thing is, is that I pay 143 for a monthly times 12, so, you know, we're looking at about $1,300, $1,400 annually, I think. I'm just trying to do the math in my head. I may be wrong. I'm trying to make the bed, and I'm not the sharpest cookie on the planet. But, and then the insurance company pays another $500. So my annual health insurance cost, as far as what is subsidies, the foundation or platform, 
for me to receive benefits as a poverty, a person in poverty, uh, comes out to around $3,000. So if I go to the doctor and have to have a surgery, that's $5,000. So, you know, the way it is set up with our inflationary corporate mechanism under, you know, it's all because we're we're under a credit-based system now. It's an insurance-based system. Insurance is credit. It's It's rotating float. It's derivatives. It's all converted from real assets to derivatives. So my subsidy that I pay is already in debt. It's already below or in deficit. As I pay my annual insurance premium, I am still in deficit to the budgetary costs of the medical professional. Just like me, the only way they are making a profit, unless they're illegal or plastic surgeons, is is through deficit, through loss. So that's what we need to change, the way we look at it, the way we approach it. So in recognition of that, what can we do? How can we take responsibility? What can we do to protect ourselves, knowing that we're living in a configured and manufactured corporate system that is not looking out for me as an individual, but me as a group of statistics within a region of budgetary factors. That's who I am. Great. Um, so so what, what can we do? Uh, a friend, I, I, well, I thank God I can say I have a friend, um, but a lady out here, very, very nice lady, a professional, uh, she works for a company that provides health insurance that is subsidized. Okay, so she's because the health insurance company is providing the health insurance, and she works for a medical company, a health insurance company. Um, because they're providing the insurance, she's already given away a liberty. She does not have what I have as an impoverished impoverished uh, person to make a choice about the plan that she wants to take, she must take what her employer offers. So therefore, she can't get the best policy for her and her deductibles are high. So a lot, and that's another way. So the way that a corporation can figure a budget, gains and loss, is to create a statistical list of companies that provide health insurance and what type of health insurance they provide. So so how many people are going to pay this deductible for their premiums and what is deductible for office visits? So that way a doctor can go when they're in their office, okay, this person works for this company and they pay $25 per office visit, uh, $80 per prescription, 50% of emergency room or hospital uh, situations. So everything that the doctor gets is subsidies again. So the lady went to the doctor and she had something like in her chest and she could feel it, thought it was a cold, it wasn't going away, uh, you know, and it had to go back. So after she went back, the doctor said, 
hmm, maybe it's not allergies. Maybe you have the flu. So I'm going to give you antibiotics. So she paid $38 for the antibiotic, and, um, which was $200 up front if, if she didn't have the subsidies insurance. And then she paid $25 for the office visit. The doctor made her come back three times. Mm-hmm. So that's $75 subsidied by the health insurance, 150 per visit. So the doctors made about, math in the head again, about 500 and something by having her come back three times. Mm-hmm. And so what she ended up having now, after the delay, is walking pneumonia. And so mm-hmm. that's because rather than treat the patient and, and perform the appropriate procedure in a timely manner for diagnostic criteria as used to be done, uh, it was put on hold. And if you get really bad, just to make sure I don't feel guilty, I'll give you some antibiotics to give you a boost. And if you're half, halfway healthy, you're going to make it. Mm-hmm. So, so what could she have done? You know, um, the first thing to do is always, I mean, I have this, and, and believe me, I have to work at doing what I, practicing what I preach, but I have two medical manuals. And when I have a symptom, I go and look in the medical manual. One is a, a nursing manual, and one is a, um, Oh, I can't remember it now. It's it's a name that all the people in the medical profession know. One is from 2008 and one is from 2014. So I go and look at, or we have the wonder of computers so far. I go and look at my symptoms. And then I go to my doctor and say, here's what I found out. My symptoms say that I may have pneumonia or a chest infection. I would like to request an x-ray. The very first thing that doctor should have done, at least on the second visit after the patient came with a worsened condition and less ability to breathe, is done a chest x-ray. The very first thing you do when you think someone has pneumonia or a chest infection is give them a chest x-ray. But see, here's the thing. A chest x-ray can cost $400, and I'm not going to make a profit on my subsidy because of corporate insurance structure by giving you that x-ray firsthand, I need to get you in here three or four times to have the coverage to give you that x-ray first. There you go. So, you know, people got to be aware and, and, you know, get out of the old mindset. You're nothing. You are nothing. You're a statistic in a group of statistics, in a region that is counted according to the insurance that you have and your profitability margin. That's it. That's it. And I agree with what Orpha said about, you know, get to know your doctor. Find a doctor that has the same principles that you do. And the most important principle is going to be honesty to be able to be honest with your doctor, to be able to feel like, here's what I found out. How can I protect myself and you still be protected 
under the restrictions of your income earning capability according to corporate America today. That trickles down to all levels of business because today the business structure is is of that nature. We are living and supported on derivatives. And derivatives is nothing but a flow chart of possible income. And nothing is tangible. So that's what I wanted to add. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to add add something to the whole insurance company thing here. And this is what I've been going through with it. Um, I mean, ever since they forced us to have insurance, I didn't have insurance for a long time. I didn't go to the doctor that I couldn't, you know, pay pay the office visit and I was done, you know. Four times a year I go to the doctor and it's done. I pay the office visit, I'm done. But ever since they forced us into this Obamacare, they, um, what, what I have found out has been happening with me because I was a good little cookie and went to the, you know, went and got my stupid little insurance and I've been paying my premiums. Last year, I wound up having that stroke, which wound up covering my deductible, you know, taking care of my deductible pretty quick. And I didn't think anything of it until this year when I had to change insurance companies because that other insurance company was not going to be servicing my area, although I found out they would do group insurances and they'd do Medicare, but not the, the private individual. And so I'm going, okay, well, that sucks, but okay. So I'm in this other insurance company actually paying cheaper premiums by about a dollar, I think. But here's the thing. With these insurance companies, they have you pay a deductible. And you have to satisfy that deductible before they kick in paying their portion of any of it, Mm -hmm. any of it. Okay, now, just to just to give you some figures to work with, I pay $333 and some change a month for my premium. $333, she times that by 12. I don't even have a calculator here, but there's, I can't even figure that in my head, okay? Um, so I pay $333 a month for my premium. I I pay a copay when I go to the doctor. Now I I go to the doctor like I said four times a year, and that's because of the one prescription that I'm on, because um, I've gotten rid of all the others. <laughs> but I have to go four times a year to get this one, this one. Now I pay that copay, which is forty dollars. Okay. The insurance company isn't paying anything. Because I have to pay, I have to satisfy a $3,500 deductible first. I'm not, my CPAP machine, I found out they aren't paying on it. I I first started out only having to pay $14.56 a month for the rental of it. And then the insurance company picked up the other Thirty-three dollars is what I'm figuring it to be. 
So I'm not sure where the $107 a month now comes in, but I started getting these $107 charge a month this year. And I'm going, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Where is this coming from? Well, your deductible isn't satisfied, so this is what you have to pay until your deductible is satisfied. I said, well, how long am I going to have to pay that until my deductible is satisfied? Well, 13 months and you'd have it paid off. I'm going, 13 months and $107, this machine can't possibly be worth that much. Well, that's how much it costs for you to to have it until your deductible is, is satisfied, then the insurance company will pay for it. Screw that. <laughs> the insurance company never will pick up anything because I don't go to the doctor enough and me paying on my CPAP machine and paying my insurance premiums and paying my co-pays, none of that is going to get me up past the $3,500 a year deductible to pay for them to start paying anything. And guess what? Come January, it starts all over again. Correct. Yeah. The insurance company never pays anything. We are paying the insurance uh, companies to pay nothing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, if I did the, the 338 times 12, if I heard your numbers correctly, is 4,000. Three, three, it's 333. Three. Okay, well, it's close enough. Yeah. It's $4,056. Yeah. That you're yeah. paying annually. I told that to my friend when Obamacare came in. She said, it's not that much. I said, you'll find out. She died before she found out. But the issue here is you will, and I, I what's his face, um, uh, Obama, not Obama, but Trump did cancel some of it. What? And how much is going really away is not for us. But if the Jeff well, going to go ahead. No, go ahead. I, I thought you were going to the point. Go ahead. I just wanted to say something on that Trump thing. Go ahead. The insurance companies have always been a fraud. Your car mm-hmm. insurance is a fraud. How many of you have paid monthly? or even every six months, big fees to cover your ass so it wouldn't land in jail like I did for Mm -hmm. an insurance that you never, ever, ever use, except maybe once. Oh, but what if you have it? How many accidents have you had? Well, none. Well, do you expect to have an accident shortly? Well, no. <laughs> and you're paying all this money for nothing. This is the yep. this is the the great uh, killer for most people, and um, it's it's all a fraud. It's a money fraud that we accepted the car insurance. Oh, good, they accepted that. Then we accepted medical insurance. Oh, they accepted. This has been what what Elaine said is the culmination of a hundred years of eating away at you being subsidized. That's all it is. The culmination is socialism. 
so that you're so wrapped up in being stuck with these people that you will never get relief. I go to my chiropractor every two weeks. I pay him my money. I leave. He doesn't have paperwork. He doesn't have anything. He goes on with his life. And that's the way it should be. The man, the man's work, he's had to go to the post office and get a jo- day job so that he can even keep his chiropractic office open because the insurance companies will not cover chiropractic work. Why? People get well. That's yeah, and some, yeah, something else I want to add to what I was saying. When I picked my insurance company this year, I checked to make sure that my doctor and hospital were in the network. They get you on these networks, too. Yeah. And, you know, HMOs. And I, I had it checked. They said, yeah, I was in it. Go to my doctor. And before I even got back to the doctor, the lady at the desk said, uh, I hate to inform you, but we are not in that insurance company's network. I said, wait a minute. I checked to make sure, and it said you were. And actually, one of the ladies at the desk said, I know, I picked the same insurance company, and I found out that we are not in that network. Now, <clears throat> They that insurance company does have a network with them in it. But unless you choose the right one, you know, it's all the same insurance company, but if you choose this one and your little card doesn't say that in the right-hand corner, you're out of network. And I said, well, can I just pay, you know, a, a cash price? Because if you go in and you pay cash right then and there, they give you a discount on how much the office visit was, which is normally something like $90 or something. And before I had insurance, paying cash, it was like 70 bucks or something. Mm-hmm. And they told me I could not have the cash discount because I actually have insurance. But because I'm not in the network, I have to pay the full price. And I go, that really sucks. I said, this is ridiculous because... I was told you guys were in the network. It's not my, you know, I found out it was the marketplace, which is where Obamacare is sold. Is the net, the marketplace has it listed wrong. And they gave me the wrong part of the, you know, the wrong area of that insurance company to sign up for. And I'm going, this is wrong. This is so wrong. I am doing nothing but paying and paying and paying this insurance company and getting absolutely nothing for it. Correct. Now, if you get, if if you're doing the the copay, you are having to satisfy your deductible before you before the insurance company will take over. And I didn't understand any of this, but uh, at first, but if you have co-insurance. In other words, if you find an insurance company that you can have co-insurance instead of co-pay, what happens is you pay a portion, which is usually something like 80-20. You pay 20%, the insurance company pays 80%. Well, they pay right along with you. You'll get a bill for the 20%, 
that you owe from the insurance company will go ahead and pay the 80%. You don't have to satisfy that deductible before they kick in. I was going, you know, but these insurance, you know, agents, you know, oh, you only got a $30 copay. That's great. That's bullshit. Because you got to pay that deductible before the insurance company will ever, ever pay for it. Now, if you're in and out of the doctor's office a week, every week and in and out of the hospital, yeah, probably no problem, you know, other than your health really sucks. But um, if you're, you know, taking all kinds of medication and very, very sick, then co-pays are probably okay because your deductible will get satisfied fast and then the insurance company will start paying. But if you're someone like those of us that, you know, I mean, yeah, we've got our issues, you know, but we're not super, super sick all the time, you know, and we don't go to the doctor that much. We don't have a lot of medications we're on. We're not in and out of the hospital constantly. You're never, the insurance company is never, ever going to pay anything because you're going to be constantly paying your premiums and your deductibles and your co-pays, but they're never going to pay anything. And that's because you don't, you're you're not going in very much. And I just want to say something on this Trump thing. He, he was trying to get rid of the Obamacare, but, it's been voted down by, I don't know if it's Congress or the representatives or who the hell it was, but, you know, these people that are getting their, you know, kickbacks from, you know, being on this Obamacare, uh, thing that they didn't even read before they signed it into law, you know, I, I believe Trump is, may, and I, I'm, decided a long time ago I wasn't going to be for Trump or for Hillary. I wasn't going to be for anybody anymore. But there's something that Trump's doing that I agree with. There's some things I don't. But he was trying to get rid of the Obamacare, but I've heard, and I wouldn't stake my life on it, but I've heard that it was other people. Like I said, I I don't know if it was Congress or the House of Representatives or the Senate or whatever it was. Turn, you know, turned it down. But I think doesn't Trump have the veto power or something like that to go against whatever they do? I don't know, but I don't know that it's over yet. But I just thought I'd bring that up. I don't know. Go ahead. And um, yeah, it's it, what we have to go back to is stop ragging on them and. Stop using them. And uh, this whole, he did stop that. um, Obama did sign in in the first week or so that curse of the insurance insofar as the people being fined for it because they get you on that slippery slope and you never get out of it. And the biggest point that we have to raise is that people, you're in charge of your life. And that's what we have to teach other people because they've been so brainwashed, just like, like Elaine was explaining. 
she's so absolutely right. We have been sucked into being always at effect by these criminals. Always. And that's did not you, helpful. Yeah, it's been, we've been here. Did you say he, he voted down the, the uh, fine of not having insurance? I'm sorry, Donaldson, just a minute. He, did, he, did you, yeah. I, he signed in that they could not fine the people for not taking Obamacare is the way okay. I understood it. So uh, that if you're still being uh, harassed by them for the failure to be insured is bullshit because I never was insured. And what I did is I went to the, um, when I was in L.A., I went to the um, uh, county hospital. And I just paid whatever the little amounts that they wanted me to pay for the my um, uh, gallbladder operation because I was a an indigent and had no insurance. I was a I paid it off in a, a short while. Uh, I think it was sixty dollars every uh, two weeks or something. I got paid every two weeks, so I paid it off. I paid for mm-hmm. my operation. So it, it, there was a way to to actually not be at effect with these people. So it, it is very important that we should ever go back to that or never go back to it. But we have to, we have to do the same thing. This is all corporation. This is all big dollar. It's all about keeping us, the people, at effect, affect and effect. So it's really very, very serviceable for each of us to uh, really look at your insurance. I'm getting Medicare. I get I get charged a hundred and four, maybe a hundred and ten dollars a month. I never use it for just what you said. Because I never go to the doctors. I never get a copay done. Right. And uh, that's, that's just BS. When you're doing any of that, and they are very, very tricky at tricking you in to doing it their way. Oh, I give up. I'll do it their way. No, people, we can't afford that anymore. Your ignorance is very, very costly. And if you don't get out of the ignorance, you'll never get out of this uh, albatross that we've created by going along to get along. It's all about going along to get along. Well, oh, uh, can I say something? Can I say something here? Yeah. Order? Go ahead. Well, part, I mean, you're making a good point about the going along to get along. But I, for, from my research, this is Donaldson here, okay? Uh, what I've uh uncovered is that you know insurance is something that proves that you can take care of yourself it really is unfortunately what what the government is doing is you know they are in an effort to try and lessen the costs right on public they they make this 
this thing mandatory, right, for 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 citizens, for the people. Um, and so, so technically speaking, to really be sovereign, you know, in in this country or anywhere in the world, you have to pay for yourself. Um, and so, I think that's what the insurance serves to do is to is to pay outside of the government. The government doesn't pay for you when you're paying for yourself. So this is something that's positive, you know. But what I don't, what I what I see where the government is blurring the line is is when they treat the people as if they are actually private persons instead of private citizens, because there's a difference between a private person and a private citizen. Correct. There's so many fine lines, uh, you know, distinctions to make that, that, yeah, the go along to get along attitude is, is something that just gets taught to us, I think, by our parents and, and by our families, you know. So we're kind of brought up think, with those kinds of um, philosophies anyways. What, are your, what, what do you have to say about that, Wonder? Well, it, well, well I, I have tried to just say something real quick. Um, <clears throat> One thing that we that you need to understand, Allison, is that all insurances of any type, medical, health, car, whatever, they're taxes. They are not proving that we can take care of ourselves. They are a tax on us, just like getting a driver's license is a tax, paying a toll going over a bridge is a tax. All of these things are put under these other names that make it sound like it's good for us, but they are taxes. There's another way that the government can tax you, and that's what it is. There is no reason why we should not be able to go into a doctor's office and, you know, pay the bill and be done with it without having to deal with the insurance companies. And... If we can't pay for it, then it, it comes out of this fund that's ours from the very beginning to begin with. That's right. the way it should be being paid for anyway. But they've made it yes. where we have to have these insurances to, you know, cover our expenses when the bill is already paid anyway. We're mm-hmm. paying it a second time. And that's that's where the wrong is. Well, the quick question, really, you brought up a good question. Art, have we really paid for anything in our lifetimes? I doubt it. You know, I mean, if you consider Federal Reserve notes as lawful money, then then maybe right. we have. You know, but truly, we've just been giving away the what is that the uh, uh, redeem redemption on it to someone else, I suppose. Uh, I don't know where to go with this right here because there's there's a lot of distinctions that you need to people should make to be responsible in their own lives and one of those is to pay for yourself don't let the government pay you know for you so I mean I'm kind of at a I'm toss up on both I hear what you're saying on the call uh, everyone and with regard to this or at least Orpha and, and Wonder but I also support people that do pay like for example vehicle car insurance right. If, if car insurance is made mandatory, right, it's, but that's for the people, you don't have – if you can pay your bill and you can prove it, say, you, you know, another way, if you have a paper trail of authority, then that's, that'll work too. You 
policy. You don't have to have insurance, like Wonder was saying. But it is totally scam scammable, though. Yeah, this like good point, though. Wonder, excellent stuff. I I I agree with you, Donaldson. I mean, I I do think that you know if you're paying your insurance, you are you know paying your way, and I I do agree with it to that point. You know, because if you don't have insurance, you're really screwed. And the people, you know, those that, for instance, the hit and run that I was in, you know, this mm-hmm. car pulled out in front of me. You know, I, I hit them, but they, like, went right in front of me, and then they left the scene because they didn't have insurance. Well, I had insurance, right? I had car insurance. I had I was covered for uninsured and underinsured motorists. Okay, I had a five hundred dollar deductible, which had those people stayed and they had their insurance company, I would never have had to pay the five hundred dollar deductible. I would go get my car fixed and I'm done because I had insurance. I paid to right. not have to pay anything there. Right. You had a, you but what a happened was because since they did not have insurance, I had to then pay my $500 deductible. And I go, wait, this is, this is wrong. I shouldn't have to pay for it. If they had insurance, I wouldn't have had to pay for it. How come I have to pay for it now? Well, somebody has to pay for it. I said, I already pay my insurance. And I, I never could get it, get it back. And then on top of that, I get a letter from the insurance company saying, well, we're going to drop this case because we can't find this person, although they know right exactly where the person lives, but they can't, you know, spend all their time getting money out of people they know don't have any money. So they're going to scarf it out of me again. I have to pay that $500 deductible, and I'll probably never see that $500 because those people, it was a young girl who was, you know, she had just, I think, come off of her parents' insurance and she didn't have car insurance. So she fled the scene of the crime and I was left holding the bag, even though I was the one that had insurance. So, you know, this is, you know, they force you into having these insurances um, because if you don't, you're you're really screwed unless you do something like that lady did and <laughs> left. Can I tell you what happened to me on my insurance, uh, car insurance? Um, I had I was in a um, a mall parking lot, underground parking, and it was very dark, poorly lit. Uh, I was at the exit, which which heads to the main um, exit street that on the left and the right has the exit, so it's a two-lane, one coming in, one going out on each side. Uh, But there's this big beam, this big support pillar on the left that blocks the view of the incoming car. So I was driving along very careful. I have Ray. Ray has a few spines, so any hard jolt can actually fracture his spine, so I have to be very, very careful with my driving. And so anyway, um, I stopped, looked both ways, 
went forward about a half a foot, stopped, looked both ways again, thought, man, I can't really see around that big pillar, went for about five inches, and it was clear. So I decided, okay, I can go. I looked to the right. You should always look to the left first, again, anyway, but I looked to the right, and I knew I had looked to the left, so it was clear, uh, and I inched out. So as I'm inching out, there's a lady behind me, comes right up on me, right? She's impatient, wants to go, thinks I'm going. Maybe she's not going to stop. That prevented me from backing up because when I looked to the left, I saw a lady in an old clunker who saw me about five inches out and sped up, okay, to hit me deliberately. I saw what was happening. I saw she was coming. I I looked to see if I could back up. There was no way because of the impatient lady behind me. So I said, oh, my God, she's going to hit me. So I turned my wheels into her direction. I was about, uh, when she hit me, she hit my left wheel about two and a half feet in from my bumper. And that's because I turned my wheels into her direction. I drive a Jeep. So four-wheel drive, they tilt, the wheels tilt out. I turned my wheels into her direction, and I put my foot on the brake. I held the steering wheel tight, and I told Ray, hang on, and um, sit back. And this lady hit us as hard as she could. But thank God that my wheels were turned in because she didn't even hit the body of the car. She hit the wheels <clears throat> bent my front axle and tie rods. So I'm sitting in the car. I want to do something, but I can't because of this impatient lady behind me who's now freaking out. Uh, and I'm sitting there thinking, hmm, how do I deal with this? And, uh, is, yeah, Ray, and is Ray okay? Ray was calm. And so I didn't get out of the car. And the lady jumps out of the car. Look what you did to my car and points to the front end of her car that's all dented, yes, Ray, and has rust rust damage. So then a big macho guy in a big, huge truck gets behind the little lady in the little car behind me and starts honking the horn. And I told the lady that was yelling at me about, look what I did to her car, even though she hit me. And I said, you hit me. And she said, well, look up there. In the dark corner of this underground parking is a sign that you can't see unless it's lit or you know it's up there in the ceiling that says no left turn. So I was in the wrong because I turned left. I couldn't have even gotten out of her way because there was no way for me to go. So the guy in the big truck honking, get out of the way, get out of the way. So I told, told the lady, look, let's, uh, yes, right, let's go right, let's pull out, and I'll park right over there. So I, I you know, my wheels are wobbling, and I'm, I'm parking, and I wait. I'm looking in my rearview mirror for her to come, and she sees me where I parked and keeps going. So I didn't have my cell phone. Ray started getting agitated. I thought, well, I'll go home and call the police and report this. So that's what I did. When I got the police on the line, they told me this. You left the scene of an accident. Do you realize you've committed a criminal offense? The individual that, that you hit um, um, is safe. That makes me that laugh. Oh, God. 
that you hit is is saying that yeah. you it's a hit and run that you hit and left. So here's the thing, because I I I said no, I did not. I parked. I waited. Thank God it was a mall parking lot. They had video surveillance. They could see what I did. <clears throat> and the lady took off and parked on the other side of the parking and and then called the police. So here's the, the good news. Uh, because it was a mall parking lot, it was private property, I could not be cited legally. There is no record of the event. Mm-hmm. But I called the insurance company and I said, look, uh, this lady's telling me that I hit her, she hit me, uh, and there's all this dent in the front of her car. It's all rusted. Uh, there was nothing I could do. I couldn't back up. The best I could do is put my brakes on and hold tight because I knew she was going to hit me. So the video camera oh, yeah. shows my brake lights on, that I'm not moving, and that this lady actually did hit me. But because I made that left turn, I was at fault. Well, the good thing is, is that my tie rods on the Jeep were completely destroyed. It cost $1,000 to fix them, uh, including the front differential axle because it's a Jeep. Uh, I didn't have the $1,000. I had a 500 deductible. And um, so I paid that. Uh, Yes, right. But had I not had insurance, I would have been without a vehicle. And without legal representation, and that lady could have sued me. But the insurance company stood up for me, and all they paid as far as damage to her car is they bought her a new license plate because it was dented. That's it. And they, and they, and they paid for my car, you know, to be fixed, which I didn't have the money and couldn't afford, but I did have the 500 So... Sometimes insurance is good, especially nowadays when people are opportunists and want to hit you so they can create a, a lawsuit. So for me, it panned oh, out. Well, and, uh, and that's you, you, you could have done something. I'm sorry. Minute, one at a time. We're almost through, but I, go ahead. I, 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 was, I, I just I, want to say that, that that's what I was saying, that, you know, insurance companies – Nowadays, if you don't have them, you can get into a lot of trouble not having them, more so than having to pay the insurance. But, but yeah, I, I just want to say that. So go ahead, Don. I was, I was gonna, I, I was gonna say with Elaine, I, I'm surprised that you didn't ask for more money for emotional trauma or any type of startle that you got. I mean, I know you've been through a lot in your own life, so I mean, you have, you're kind of resilient. But still, you know, on average, people don't have your brand of resilience. So I think I think you should you should definitely be more sensitive to to your needs in that situation. If it ever happens again, you get some money out of it above and beyond what you what it costs you to fix your car. You know, because the insurance companies they actually don't care, and they actually do want to settle it as soon as they can. So and they don't want to go to court. That's the key. I mean, it's just you know when they try to settle out of court, they're trying to do it cheaper and faster. You know what I'm saying? Than court. So so when they tried to settle with you, you just accepted it. If you would have said, hey, I want five or six grand for the pain and suffering that this caused and all the time it took, or we're going to have to definitely go to court because I mean this was this caused me yada yada, you know. And and I, I know you could have gotten it. So it's over with. 
So let's move yeah. on. And yeah, there's going to be another one, though. <laughs> it's going to happen again to, to one of us, right? That, no, you don't want to put that out there. That's real negative thinking. No, what uh, it's positive. To, no, it's positive thinking. Negative thinking is negative thinking. <laughs> but what well, I, I got want paid. Out, All right. What I want to... Uh, really point out is that each of us does have to understand where their your rights are and where your your privilege are. It is very important how they're shenanigans. these. Most of what we've just talked about are the privileges. And this is exactly goes back to what Orpha was saying. It is um Oh, I forget what you just said. But it was it, it it is about the fact that all of us are being you know, purposely being rattled by all this. Your insurance can be covered by a bond. Your insurance can be covered by other means than by the method of an insurance company. People, there are more than one way for a cat to be skinned. And we keep getting skinned alive and being taxed for everything. This whole thing is privilege, and that's the lie. You have the right to all of this, and you are being denied every bit of it. So it's time you really got the education we've attempted for all these years to (laughs) give you in the essence of knowledge is power. I know some of you may look at my emails and go, what is she talking about? People, we've been raped, pillaged, and plundered for over 250 years. And you continue to be raped, pillaged, and plundered because of the fact you agree with it. Your knowledge is really what you have to start using. You do know more than that. You do know better than others. You do have awareness more than others. Stop hiding. Start saying what is really necessary for you to get off the dime of, well, they're only doing this. They've been doing it. For years, centuries, get off it. Take responsibility. We cannot any longer allow them to say, you pay it. No, excuse me, people, I've already paid. And and this is the time when you learn, when you Put your, you say, I will be able to pay so much money and they won't accept that. Then you say, then as per UCC, and I keep forgetting the number, but there's a UCC number. And, and Jonathan, maybe uh, Jonathan, uh, Jonathan, perhaps you can find it. And I was thinking it was 3 204. It might be it. I can't remember exactly. And it is saying, if offered and not accepted, bill is paid. That's the law. That's the UCC. 
That's where everything comes from. We've got to stop hiding. We've got to start talking. People, we don't have any more time left. This is a socialistic process that you've just all been talking about. It's total socialism. Elaine was absolutely right. You're all sucked into the system. And if you have to use it, there is a way around it. If you want to learn it, you can do it. If you don't, you'll never get it. I can't help you. It's time we really, really got off our ass. It's at it's at a peak now. And what Donaldson was saying about the fact of it's not being paid. Well, Donaldson, you don't understand how the trust fund works. Because it has been paid. It's always been paid. And oh, three Let me finish. We don't get the actual money because we're U.S. citizens. Stop being a U.S. citizen. Start being a state citizen. Start saying, I do not reside in D.C. or uh, Guam or uh, Puerto Rico, Commonwealth of Puerto Rico, or on a military base or anything that's federal. Get the point. You're in charge of your life. You've got to take it over. Now, we're almost at the end here. You were going to say something, Donaldson, and then we'll we'll close. I want to leave that thought with you. So so I yield. Go ahead. Yeah. uh, I think it was tender of payment, and it's 3-603, actually. I was wrong about 3-204. 204 is for endorsements. Finds one so what is it again? You so see. They have univer- uniform commercial code, which UCC? is uh yeah, UCC three dash six zero three. And that it talks about if a tender of payment of an obligation to pay an instrument is made and refused, it's discharged basically. That is what you need to know by heart. And people, it's time we fought back. We pay, we pay, we pay, we pay, we pay, we pay. And then we go, why don't I have any money? Well, Jerko, and I'm saying this to everybody that listens to this. Jerko, you keep paying. And they keep making up new laws, new stuff, new ways to Pull the money out of your hand. Their hand is in your pocket so deep you don't even know you got a pocket. They're scratching your balls. They're scratching your ass. Stop. Stop. Can I can I ask one last quick question? Sure. Okay, I will. <laughs> I I just wanted to say, you know, listening to this, so. If we buy into the system and we get subsidy, if we're low income, the subsidy increases. Yes, right. Yes, right. If we have nothing. Yes, right. If we have nothing. Yes, right. Oh, sorry. Yes, right. Uh, if we have nothing, 
then it's welfare. Okay, so then that's that's the structure of communism. So if we say, well, according to law, if I don't have to pay, the debt is forgiven, but I've still received the service for nothing, that's welfare. So where's the balance? I think that's the big question. Nobody can come up with an answer. We only have a structure, uh, you know, a dualistic kind of structure, the have and the have not. It's either you have and you pay or you don't have and you're on welfare, which is socialism and dependence on the government. So it's really, uh, you know, to me, it, it, it's kind of uh, useless. It doesn't, none of it really makes sense. There's no real balance in the structure at all. And I think that it's, we need to relook and rethink uh, at the way that our society is is formulated because it's not working. And all of it leads to dependence. And even the, the government, uh, the corporations, are the biggest welfare recipients of all because it's through their taxation of the people that they exist. So, you know, well, we're, we're just kind of damned if we do and damned if we don't. <laughs> Well, if so you want thing, to one, that way, sorry. you will get that more because that's exactly the reference they want you to have. It's time that all of us stop that referencing. It's what we had to go through ages ago on the issue of our own not complying with what they wanted. People, we've been brainwashed into thinking they are the power. We are the power. If you would take hold of your knowledge and start using your knowledge for what it is, knowledge, awareness, capability, productivity, They can't make anything work if we're not in those factories doing the shit. Nothing will work. You're the power. Stop Mickey Mouse around. So this may seem useless. I'm sorry. Well, something you have to realize too, Elaine, is that when we're saying these bills are already paid for us, that is not welfare government shit, okay? Right. This is a trust that we have that we have when we're born, okay, that they have not given to us. And that they have said, uh-huh. okay, now you owe all this money whenever you go do something that you were supposed to do, whether it's go to the doctor or have a car or buy a home or whatever it is. It's this trust. But we we don't know about it, okay, until you suddenly hear about it. But the thing is, you can't get it unless you prove to them that you know what you're talking about and that you can you know, show them that you, you know it's there so they can't pull the wool over your eyes anymore. That is not the same thing as welfare. So just, you know, you have to realize that distinction. And they well, yeah, Elvis is right. Welfare 
for the sake of debilitating them. When they had the Watts riots in Los Angeles, it was a total false flag setup. And it was purposely, purposely set up to get more people on welfare. That was the purpose of it. So please, all of this is a setup. I believe I sent out the book, Silent Weapons for a Quiet War. Read it. Read it. And read it again so that you get exactly the propaganda and the manipulation that's been going on right away from 1954. It's been going on for centuries. But because we're a very productive country and very high uh, uh, desire to improve our lives, and we do have some, quote, unquote, laws that protect our property for us until they've stolen it all via property taxes and then foreclose on you, the, the bank foreclosures and all the other rotten trips they've done to keep you your protection. And you are the protector, not them. Oh, so shit. You know what we need to do? You just showed me something, Wonder. If everybody would get smart and start to demand just compensation for the use of the name, your intellectual property that was given to you by your mom and dad, right? And, and, and just not talk about re- returning the birth certificate, nothing like that, but because they get all complicated with it. But just saying, hey, look, we need just compensation for any gov- anything that you guys want to do that has a governmental objective underneath of it. If you're going to use my property, you have to pay me for it. And the more people that do that, the less they're going to try to get over on us. I think, you know, you made a good point right there. Every time it's time to learn the next step. It really is, people. You've got to give up being led by the nose. Have you sent a bill to them? I'm sorry? Did you send them a bill yet? I'm I'm curious to find out if you have a team of people working on um, invoices or anything like that to get compensation for the name. We've had people doing show me the bill for the electric, but what they do in turn is they shut off the electric. That's why I'm working on the alternative energy. So when I start the show me the bill instead of a statement, then you can do it. The uh, sending them a, a bill at this point now is paper terrorism. Others have done it, and we're learning new ways in which to deal with it. But people, it's time to stop allowing them to own you. It's time to stop allowing them to own you. And I've got to get uh, over. There's some uh, S3 has sent, President Trump wants to hear your ideas on how government can be more efficient and effective. I'm sorry, guest three, and I don't know who that guest three was. That you, Elaine? The Trump site that comes on your email is the GOP. It's a Republican 
thing. And it's all about you giving it to Republicans. I'm sorry, the Republicans and the Democrats are all the same. And they're socialists. Did you know that smells alone can make you happier with a simple whip? Natural oils, I guess someone's given something about their their oils. But let's close down and uh, come back next week. But look in and start researching and read the book I sent out to you, I think over two weeks ago, Secret Weapons, Silent Weapons for a Silent War, and get what's been done to us and stop thinking we can't do anything about it. We outnumber them. We outfactor them. We outdo everything on them. And they're terrified of us because we have guns. And Trump knows what's going on. And if he isn't doing anything, they're a corporation. Why are you even watching what Trump is doing? Ignore that whole setup. Become an American and stop being a U.S. fucking citizen. I'm sorry. I'm at a very, very bad place right now. And it's time we stop being patty ourselves. No bullying, yeah. Stop the bullying. Just you know? get off it. Yeah. All right, let's let's say let's say goodbye and and uh, close it with the ho ho phone pono and bring peace to ourselves and our others. And if I've been really, really, really pissant to you. Good. Maybe it'll get you off your ass. Our states need you. Our territories need you. Listen to our our, our program from two weeks ago. Uh, Do I, I, let me, something positive. Wonder. Yeah. I'd like to add something into this. I was reading recently in my constitutional bar review. It's from 2010, so it's a little old, but. It was talking about the uh, the commerce. Uh, in other words, when 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 the when like a municipality participates in commerce, right? That the dormant commerce clause, which is the you know the federal power to regulate commerce throughout every state in 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 you know between the states, that does not apply. So a lot of people who um, are Getting their property taken away from them, okay, uh, and then trying to sue sue the federal sue the federal government or sue the state, right? Using federal power are not having remedy because they, you know, they're failing to to recognize that the municipality is doing is it's becoming a market participant, you know. And I've been reading a lot about that in the last couple of days, uh, some articles. And I, I believe that is the key issue to to make because when they treat you when you when they are a corporation and to be treated like a corporation, you can't go the federal route, meaning that you have to send them a bill. You know what I'm saying? You have to send them some sort of bill for the taking, or or they're going to presume you don't know what you're doing and you don't know what you're talking about, you don't know the law, or you don't know what they're supposed to do. You don't have to know the law, but you don't know what they're supposed to do, 
And so they're going to work their way around any obstacles. But I just wanted to add that to the, to the end. And the solution is know, it is know who it is who you are, first and foremost. Secondly, know, by knowing who you are, you can just look around you and see attributes of yourself in everything around you and then start to, start to apply from the inside out the remedy. So this way, you're not trying to fix something outside yourself. All right, on that note, I will get back and Ho'oponopono style time. If you'd like, I would be glad to start the, the Ho'oponopono uh, process. Okay. So for everyone, as you know, we do the Ho'oponopono three times, and then we hug each other. So, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Please forgive me. I love you. I love you. Thank you. Thank you. Please forgive me. Please forgive me. Please forgive me. I love you. I love you. I'm sorry. Sorry. I'm sorry. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Please forgive me. Please forgive me. I am sorry. I'm sorry. Thank you. Thank you. I love you. I love you. Go ahead. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. How, how, how. And now is the time. Donaldson gave you some good points. It and what we've been saying for the last two years, it's an inside job. If you're not willing to walk on your inside, just take what you're given. Take what you're given and throw your hands up because you is not gonna make it. And I'm not being a fear factor, I'm just being honest. If you won't stand up for you, no one else is going to stand up for you. So let us, let us look at ourselves in the mirror and see ourselves really as we are, not what we think we are. And it's valuable for you to get the backbone we need. Go back two weeks, and I'll send it out again. But go back two weeks and listen to how we need you in this country to bring to fruition a way to stop this hounding theft and know what you're doing. I yield. So let's put out our arms and let's put out our our love Let's put out our energy to everyone around us. Please stand up and be counted. It's time we did it. On the count of one, on the count of two, on the count of three, let's hit it.
Have a good one, everyone. It's I miss you guys. Hasta luego. Hasta luego, too. Have a good one. <laughs> bye bye. Bye bye. Thank you. Yeah, it's good. Oh, I have to turn off the recording. <laughs>